God, we love you, and we are thankful to be in this place this morning, thankful to be in your presence this morning, God. God, I just pray that as we continue in this series, or as we begin this series, God, that you would begin to speak to us, that you'd begin to teach us through these different stories that we're going to be going over over the next couple months. So God, I just pray that our minds would be open, our hearts would be open, but most of all, God, I pray that you would speak through me this morning. God, the words that are coming out of my mouth, would they be your words for your people on your day? This is all for you or it's all for nothing. God, we love you. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we're starting a new series this week uh, just called Stories. I, I was... Uh, I was reminded of this story last week. Uh, it was a book that I was reading by an author named John Eldridge, and he was uh, in a, uh, he was kind of on just kind of an adventure in Alaska. He was with a guide, and uh, he went to um, this island, uh, and it's called the Chicagoff Island, uh, just outside of Alaska. And on this island, he was taking, he was, there was a guide with him, and this guide said, come here, I want to show you something. And so they walked into this meadow. And in this meadow, there was a trail. And in this trail, John said he could just see footprints. And they were bare footprints. And the guide said, these footprints have been here for centuries. The bears on this island use this path to know where they are going and to cross the meadow, to cross the bog, and sometimes treacherous weather in Alaska. He said the young cubs, they grow up, and they literally step in the footprints of their elders as they walk across. They take the same path. They have have the same footprints. They go the same way. And and I thought this this story was just a powerful story. I've been reflecting on, on Hebrews chapter 12 lately, and you might be able to to discern that from my preaching lately. Hebrews chapter 12. I want to just go there real quick. Hebrews chapter 12, uh, starting, it's on 852 if you're in one of our pew Bibles. Hebrews chapter 12, starting at verse 1, says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin, the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer, or the author, and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Last week I told you what to do whenever you see a therefore in Scripture. We asked the question, what is the therefore? No one? Therefore. What's the therefore, therefore? (laughs) The therefore is referring back to Hebrews chapter 11. This, This great cloud of witnesses that we read in Hebrews chapter 11. People like 
like Cain and Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses. And we read about the war, the, the walls of Jericho coming down and Rahab and, and Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and the prophets. And, and it goes on and on and on about all of the people that we have to look back on. All of these people that we have to look back on so we can have an example of what faith looks like. Therefore, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses, look at all the witnesses, look at all these people that we have back here who have shown us how to live. Therefore, since we have that, let's throw off everything that hinders us. Let's throw off the sin that so easily entangles and let's fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. So that's kind of, I've been, I've just been thinking about this verse, this Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, this, this great cloud of witnesses. I haven't been able to take my mind off of this great cloud of witnesses. And so what we are going to do over the next couple of months is we are going to take a look at some of the stories that shape us as people of faith. Some of the people, some of, some of them are in chapter 11 of Hebrews, some of them aren't today. We're not going to talk about someone who's in, in Hebrews chapter 11. But we're going to go look back at some of the stories, some of the people in Scripture who we can look at and say, this is a piece of faith that I need to understand. This is a piece of my faith that I need to know. This is, this is I need to know this. I need to follow this lead. Here's what I'm saying. I need to step in these footprints that these people stepped in. And so today we're going we're gonna to start this series by looking at a guy named Daniel. I talked about Daniel a little bit last week. I want to kind of go deeper into that story while it's fresh in your mind. And so if you'll join me, Daniel chapter 1. Daniel, again, has his own book in the Old Testament. If you're in one of our pew Bibles, Daniel chapter 1 is on page 625. And I think we, we can learn a lot from Daniel about our faith. As we, as we try and kind of find the footsteps to step in, if you will. Daniel shows us a lot about what it means to be strong in your faith, what it means to stand in your faith, what it means to stand strong, to stand out, to stand strong. I think the story of Daniel is, is an incredible story. And, and really, here's how it starts. King Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar is an evil king. King Nebuchadnezzar destroys Jerusalem. He destroys the city. He destroys the temple. And not only does he destroy the temple, he goes into the temple, he takes all the artifacts, he takes all the important symbols, he crushes them and he destroys them. He, he is trying to, to really just take out this entire culture. And not only does he want to take them out in the present, he wants to take them out for good. And he's got a plan to do it. Daniel chapter 1, starting at verse 3. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's services some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them the daily amount of food and wine. 
they were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. Hopefully this sounds familiar. We read this last week. (laughs) Daniel here, uh, think about what King Nebuchadnezzar is trying to do here. He's trying to to teach them the language. He's trying to teach them to, to think, to behave, and to believe like the Babylonians. He is trying to just take all of the culture, all of, all of the things that they hold dear, away from them. He is trying to make them into people who look and act like his people. Look and act like the Babylonians. This is what the king is trying to do here. And I think, honestly, if we're honest with ourselves, this really mirrors the strategy that Satan holds to all of us. He's trying, Satan is trying to get us to, to behave and to think and to act like him. Or at least not like God. This is, this is the strategy, the, the same strategy that, that Nebuchadnezzar here is the same thing. And I think, in fact, Satan wants all of us. He, he wants all of us to disregard the teaching of God. He wants us to surrender to the teachings of the world. There's a rise in our country, especially, of cultural Christianity. People who would call themselves Christians, but, you know, are you a Christian? Yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I go, I mean, I, I go to church on Christmas and Easter, and, and uh, you know, I was born in America, and we're a Christian nation, so, so yes, I'm a Christian. Here's the question, though. Do your actions reflect that statement? Does your life reflect that statement? You understand what I'm saying when I'm talking about cultural Christianity here? There's, I think this is a, a ploy straight from Satan. To say, you don't need to trust the words that you find in this book. You don't need to trust all of this. You can, you can just say that you're a Christian and not live like it, and you will be good to go. We talked about this a few months ago in Matthew chapter 6, and just the, the temptation, the, the deception that happens there. I, I don't think we can do this, though. I think we need to be focused on being and desiring the presence of God. Being in and desiring the presence of God. If we were to seek God and depend on God and to dwell on His Word and to let His Word guide us and direct our lives, if we were to walk in His steps, if you will, our lives will look more like Christ. This is what it looks like to be be a follower of Christ. Ephesians chapter 6 talks about putting on the full armor of God. Why? So that you may stand. That you may stand. I think Daniel is a great example of someone that is able to stand. Even in the midst of whatever is going on in his life, Daniel is an example that we can look at and say, Daniel is someone who knew what he believed. He was not going to falter on what he believed. Daniel stood out for what he believed. He stood up for what he believed. He stood strong. Daniel was someone we could look at in the midst of of whatever we're going through and say, if Daniel had the faith to stand, I can stand also. Even in this this passage, Daniel chapter 1, what we're reading here, think about even verse 6-7, he tries to change their name. Among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, he gave the name Belshazzar. 
to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. What does he do? He takes away two things from these, from these kids who are probably around 13 to 15 years old. Freshman, sophomore, in high school is where these kids are at. Takes two things away from these kids. First of all, he takes their names. Why is this important? Well, taking their, na- their, their, their names, their Hebrew names, are to remind them of their worship of Yahweh. Names had a huge purpose in this culture. It was to remind us to worship Yahweh. It was, it was to remind us who we are. And so King Nebuchadnezzar, he takes their names, knows the importance of this name, and he takes it away from them and gives them new names, gives them Babylonian names. He wants them, remember, to... He's changing their culture. He's changing their lives. But not only does he change their names, he's changing their diet. Now, at first glance, like we were talking about last week, eating off the king's table sounds pretty awesome. Sounds like something I would want to do. Sounds like something I would pay to do, honestly, if there was a buffet off the king's table. Yes, I'm in, right? Let's go on Friday. I'm in. But here's the thing. The food from the king's table was dedicated to pagan gods. Daniel knows this. And Daniel wants to stand up and stand strong for what he believes in. And so we get this verse in verse 8 that we read last week. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. I I love this. I want to just notice this, though. What does Daniel react to? Daniel doesn't react necessarily to the changing of his own name. You can call me what you want. I know who I am. What does Daniel respond to? What does Daniel react to? You will not make me defile my God. You can call me whatever you want. I know who I am. But when it comes to my relationship with God, you will not take that away from me. You will not defile me in that way. I will not do this and change this. I I will not do this. He takes his stand when it comes to the name of God being defamed. I love that about Daniel. I mean, this is, this is a huge issue. But he predetermined. He knew his line and he stood it. He had the red line. He had the line in the sand, if you will. And he stood strong. I will not do this. And I, <clears throat> I think that a lot of our success as Christians when it comes into our faith can be determined on whether or not we're willing to stand strong and whether or not we're willing to even draw the line in the first place, let alone make sure we don't cross it. I, I love this part of Daniel. Daniel predetermined. He had a, he had a predetermined answer for this. He, he, had, <clears throat> he had resolved himself not to defile himself in this way. I mean, he's got to know. He, he is being handpicked by the king of Babylon to go in and to be trained, to go in and to, be, to basically take over this place. He's, he, they're trying to teach him everything. They're trying to teach him how to be a Babylonian. He's got to know what comes with this. He knows 
that, it, that as I'm going to this place, I'm probably going to come into some contact with some things that are going to try and pull me away from God. But he had resolved himself. He had made sure, he had made a decision beforehand not to defile himself. And so here's the offer of the king's food from the king's table. And Daniel just is able to say, no. Give me some vegetables instead. Give me, give me some vegetables instead. And I think, honestly, I think something that we need to do in our lives, I think we can take this example from Daniel here, is just to be able to, to know where our stand is going to be made. If I ever get into that circumstance again, I will not do this. I will never fill in the blank. I have pre-decided that, that if I get into a conversation where it's, where it's going to get gossipy, I'm going to try and turn that conversation or I'm going to get out. I have pre-decided that if I'm going to, to watch shows, if I'm going to be watching TV or watching movies, and it's a movie or a TV show that's not edifying me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch something else. I'm going to do something else. I need to take care of my mind. I'm going to go to church every week. I'm going to read more often. I'm going to tithe. I'm going to, to keep my eyes pure. I'm going to do all of this stuff. I make a resolution to do this and stand strong. Amen. And I think this, this pre-decision that we make gives us the strength and the courage to stand. Now, this is just chapter 1 of Daniel. Daniel, his, his life can be, as we read in this book, his life can be defined by the stands that he is able to take. I mean, you go just to chapter 4 of Daniel. And Daniel is, is tasked with interpreting the king's dream. And he, he does, he interprets the king's dream, but then in the end of chapter 4, verse 27, he just kind of just throws this in there. Therefore, your majesty, be pleased to accept my advice. Now, I want you to hear this. The king wasn't asking for advice. The king was asking for a dream to be interpreted. Please accept my advice. Renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be then that your prosperity will continue. Talk about just... Taking a stand. In the midst of a king who, who just wanted his dream to be interpreted, he, did, he interprets the dream and then throws us in at the end. Maybe you, should, maybe you should not sin so much. Maybe you should be kind to the oppressed, and maybe then God will look favorably upon you. Maybe then you'll return to being prosperous. Yeah, stop. Just stop. And then Daniel chapter 6 is another story of Daniel standing strong. And Daniel chapter 6 is a story that many of us are probably familiar with. Daniel in the lion's den. If I just say that, then you're like, oh, okay, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Daniel in the lion's den. Something we learn about in Sunday school, we learn about as a little kid. It's one of the first stories that we, that we learn about in faith, really. And really what we, what we remember about Daniel, we, if we learn about it, we, in my example, it was a flannel graph in Sunday school, learning about Daniel. There was like this, this young kid who on the flannel graph, obviously, with these lions who were smiling and cuddly and all this kind of stuff. and It's a great kid's story, but it's not just a kid's story. And honestly, the way we tell it is probably a little bit off. Daniel was not a young kid at this point. 
Daniel was probably around 80 years old at this point in his life. And Daniel, in Daniel chapter 6, I'll just read this. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Now this is a great day for Daniel. Daniel has essentially just been promoted. He's, there's no one above Daniel except the king at this point. He's going to be over everything. This is great news except for the other two guys who were his equal. At this point, they're sort of getting a demotion. This guy who they were working with has now been promoted. He's now their boss. A little jealousy creeps in. And so they begin to, to scheme against Daniel. And, and, and here's what happens. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel and his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said, may King Darius live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days, except for you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, your majesty, issue the decree and put in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. The trap has been set for Daniel. Let's keep reading here. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and he prayed, giving thanks to his God. And I want you to, get, I want you to hear this line, just as he had done before. Just as he had done before. Daniel had a few options here. Facing the lion's den, he could have done a few things. He could have taken a break from praying. It wasn't a permanent decree. Just take a break from his normal routine. He could have done it in hiding. Just gone and maybe closed that window that people could see in. Daniel chooses option number three. Why? Because Daniel had predetermined something. Daniel had predetermined that every single day, three times a day, he was going to open his windows toward Jerusalem and he was going to pray. Under penalty of death, Daniel chooses to stand strong. Here's, here's what happens. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any god or human being except you, your majesty, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, The decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, 
pays no attention to your majesty or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard to this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. King realizes, these guys have fooled me. I like Daniel. Daniel's a good guy. Daniel does everything for me. Daniel is going to be number two just to me. I've, I've just done this. Like, how, how do I get out of this? So he tries and tries and tries to get out of this and tries until sundown. Then the men went as a group to King Darius and said to him, Remember, your majesty, according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, no decree or edict the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order and they brought Daniel and they threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve, continually rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. And the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? And Daniel answered, May the king live forever. May God send his angel. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me, because I, have, I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. Daniel stood strong, facing death, facing pretty certain death. The lion's den was not just like a, eh, they might survive. The lion's den was like a, a pack of hungry lions waiting for food. And they threw them some meat. But Daniel stayed strong. And he trusted God. I think we can just look at the example of Daniel here and see an example of, man, what does it look like to stand strong in my faith? What does it look like to, I mean, Daniel, you look at Daniel. Daniel knew what he believed. And he was not going to waver from it. Daniel was not going to waver from the fact that he was not going to defile himself by eating food that was dedicated to another god. Daniel, Daniel was, was determined to continue to pray to the God that he knew and the God that he loved every day, three times a day. Even with the window open. Daniel was not ashamed of, of his faith. Daniel was not ashamed of his God. Daniel stood strong even in the face of death. I mean, we talk about being persecuted as a church, but, but man, none of us face death like Daniel did. We can stand strong. One of, my, one of my favorite quotes is from a pastor named Craig Rochelle. He's a pastor of Life Church in Oklahoma City. Here's what he says. If you are not willing to face opposition for your obedience to God, you are not ready to be used 
by God. I'm going to read that again. I want you to think about that. If you are not willing to face opposition for your obedience to God, you are not ready to be used by God. Living out your faith. If there's a, there's a continual story that we will see over the next couple months, living out your faith is not, a, not an easy path to take. This faith journey that we're on, the, there's a reason that we need these footprints to follow. There's a reason that we need to look back at these stories and to see how these people reacted in places that they were challenged and faced opposition. We look at Daniel and we see that Daniel was able to stand strong in this opposition and he experienced opposition on, in multiple, multiple occasions in this book. And maybe there's this morning, there's some of you who are facing opposition, if you will. Some things going on in your life or at work or at home or whatever. My prayer this week is that you would have the strength to stand. To stand in your faith. To say, I know who I am. I, I, I know who God has created me to be. I know my identity is found in Him and in Him alone. And there is nothing that can get in the way of my relationship with God. There is no amount of opposition. There is no amount of hard times. There is no amount of storms that could get in between me and my God. This is what it means to stand. Daniel, in the midst of facing death. Daniel in chapter 1 facing basically just a, the destruction of his culture, of his, of his relationship, the structure of everything that he'd ever known. Stand strong. In our faith we need to be able to stand. And if you're in a position where you need some hope this morning, if you're in a place where you're facing opposition, if you're in a place where things aren't quite going your way, and take a look at the story of Daniel. Because Daniel was able to stand. In the midst of everything, he was able to stand and stand strong. He stood out for what he believed. He stood strong for what he believed. May we do the same this week. Let's pray. God, we love you. God, we give you praise, we give you thanks, we give you glory, we give you honor. God, this week we, we take a look at the story of Daniel, a guy who, who faced some, some rough opposition, facing death in maybe one of the most violent ways, just being thrown into a den of lions, is able to stand strong. To say, no, I'm not going to waver. I have, I have determined beforehand that I'm not going to defile myself in this way. I've determined beforehand that I'm going to continue to pray. I'm going to continue to seek you. And so, God, would we find that same determination and courage this week? That even in the midst of opposition, even in the midst of, of going through some hard times, would we be able to say, God, I'm, I'm standing on this rock. I'm standing in you. I'm standing in my faith. God, would you make me strong? Would you, would you just, God, would you just be here with me? God, we know that Daniel was not alone in that lion's den. 
and neither are we alone in the, in the, in the struggles and the opposition that we face. God, give us strength this week. Give us courage, give us boldness to go out and be who you've called us to be. God, we love you, we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? As you stand, just open your hands up and just receive this blessing from God. May our God our gracious God who is able to do more than we could ever ask or imagine. May this God go ahead of us this week. May he be with you in your homes and your workplaces and every conversation that you have that you might make a difference for him. Go in the grace and love and peace of God this morning. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thanks for coming this morning.